Hi, everyone. I'm Ingrid Dietz, Staff Advisor of the DBSA Young Adult Council. And our podcast today will be talking about resilience, what it is, and how we can improve it. For this topic, we're very happy to be joined by happiness expert, Dr. Tim Bono. Dr. Bono is an assistant dean in the College of Arts and Sciences and lecturer in the Department of Psychology at Washington University in St. Louis, where over the last seven years, more than 1,000 students have enrolled in his courses on the psychology of young adulthood and the science of happiness. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Bono. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, we're really excited to have you here. Resilience um, holds a a special interest for me, uh, so I'm excited to be talking to you about it. But to kick us off, could you explain to us what resilience really is? Sure. I'd say that resilience is the ability to withstand adversity that comes up in our life. And when we feel defeated, it's the ability to pick ourselves back up and keep going. Uh, This is something that can take a lot of forms. It could be a college student who receives a bad grade on an exam, and a student who is resilient will take the time to develop a different strategy moving forward instead of just throwing in the towel and giving up altogether. They'll meet with the professor, they'll seek additional help, and they'll do what they can to keep at it and have a strong performance on the next exam. Or another example might be someone who experiences disappointment in a relationship. Resiliency could lead that person to reflect on the experience, think about what they could do to strengthen that relationship or future relationships. So again, instead of just resigning themselves to this idea that I'm just really bad at relationships, they'll be more proactive and they'll take steps that can lead them to be more successful in their relationships in the future. Okay. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, Why is it important? Why is being resilient so important? Well, adversity is a part of life. I don't know anyone who goes through life without some form of disappointment or adversity, and resilience is ultimately what sees us through those difficult times and helps us recover from difficult times more quickly. There is a great quote from J.K. Rowling who once said something to the effect of, uh, it is impossible to live without failing at something unless you live your life so cautiously that you never even open yourself up to the possibility that you could fail, in which case, she says, you fail by default. And I agree with her. I think that part of living a good, healthy life is taking risks, putting yourself out there, and understanding that things aren't always going to go our way. So it's important to have the ability to pick ourselves back up and forge ahead when those trying times come up. Sure. And and thinking about young adults who are living with mood disorders, is there – a special importance for resiliency for that group? Yeah, I'd say that for that group in particular, it's important because we know that one of the characteristics of mood disorders often includes things like depression or anxiety uh, that can prevent, or I should say that can present real barriers to their ability or their willingness to pick themselves back up because that anxiety will prevent them from taking that risk or that depression could reduce their motivation to put themselves back out there or they might have these racing thoughts about things that went wrong or things that could go wrong in the future. So I would say that especially for people with mood disorders, it might take a little bit of a different strategy or a little bit more perseverance, but certainly for for all of us it's important, but I think that these strategies are especially relevant for people who might suffer from mood disorders. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. There's certainly a lot of 
ups and downs in having a mood disorder, so even probably even more uh, issues and problems that come up that would require resilience to get you back on track. Yes. So how do people develop resilience? I, I assume people aren't born being resilient, but you know, how does how does that develop in people? Sure. So there there could be some genetic differences that make people naturally more resilient than others. I haven't seen a whole lot of research on that, but but what I have seen a lot of research um, is that resiliency is a skill that can be developed by pretty much everyone. So whether you have a mood disorder or not, it is a skill that can be learned. And the way to develop that skill is by taking risks and not allowing the fear of failure to encumber you. Because each time that you have to overcome some small adversity in one aspect of life, you become better equipped to overcome adversity in other aspects of life. So you can kind of think about the ability to get back on your feet as a skill that can be developed just like any other skill, like playing the piano or learning a foreign language. At first, it might not be so easy, but the more that you do it, the stronger you become at that skill and the more confidence you have to use that skill in the future. So resilience is something that is developed by allowing yourself to take small risks in your day-to-day life, maybe going up to somebody at a party and introducing yourself to that person or doing something outside of your comfort zone. And then when things don't go well, it's a matter of reflecting on that experience, engaging your social networks, trying to reflect on the experience, and then using that information to develop a plan of action for what you might do the next time. And, it's again, it's this idea of a skill where over time it becomes easier and it's something that you are better equipped to incorporate into your life with even bigger risks or bigger challenges that might come down the road. Okay. So I know you're saying that, you know, take risks and as you deal with those things, your your resiliency will continue to build. Are there other ways to kind of build up resiliency? Well, the most effective strategies that I personally have seen come with the actual experience of of taking those risks and and developing it. It's not something that you can necessarily develop uh, by reading about it or hearing about other stories, although those things could be effective. But I think that there's really no substitute for experience for actually putting yourself out there and trying those things. And I think that one of the the key predictors of success in this domain has to do with the extent to which you're willing to develop a social network of people who can support you with this. It's part of the reason why seeing a therapist can be so effective or group therapy also can be useful because then you have somebody who you can process this information with and say, okay, here's a risk that I'm thinking about taking in the future. And then you might play out different scenarios of what that risk situation might look like and how you might respond to it. And then you also know that you have the safety net, that you have a person who or a group of people who you're going to go back to the following week and debrief and say, okay, here's how it went. And then you can sort of modify your strategy moving forward. But, yeah, I do think that there's no substitute for actual experience and actually putting yourself out there. And you can find even small risks. It's not to say that the only way to develop the ability to bounce back from adversity is with the really huge stuff. You can find even small ways to take risks. And, again, over time, you're positioned to take even bigger risks. 
moving forward. Do you have any examples of what those small risks might be? I know you made a couple of examples of, you know, going up to someone and introducing yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes when we think about risk-taking, we kind of think about all or nothing, <laughs> like mm-hmm. putting all your money in the stock market or, uh, you know, walking away from a job or, you know, those kinds of things. Um, do you have any examples of kind of the smaller things? Sure. Well, um, and you make a great point there that a lot of times, People will engage in this all-or-nothing kind of um, style of thinking. But it, it really depends, I think, on what specific skill an individual is going to or is trying to develop. For a lot of people, they have social anxiety, and they are concerned about what other, other people might be thinking about them or how people might be responding to other people. And so um, one thing you might do is at the grocery store, you, you, you approach the, the checker and you say, well, Tell me about your day or how are you doing? Or you try to engage people in small conversations um, where it's a very low risk, that that's probably someone you're not going to see again. So if it doesn't turn out well, it's okay. Um, and Or you might have another opportunity to engage people in a, in a situation where you will see them. So maybe a coworker or someone you don't know as well. And so you are engaging people in that way. Um, so those, that's one example of a small risk that you might, potentially be taking. And, you know, if ultimately the goal is to find a relationship partner, those are the small risks that you take that ultimately sort of snowball into the ability to ask somebody out on a date or to engage in a more meaningful, more substantive way. Sure. Um, And this is, uh, you know, a little off track, but I know a lot Mm -hmm. of young adults, depending on their, depending on their age and, you know, where they are in life, might be beginning to parent children. Are there things mm-hmm. they can do to kind of encourage their children to develop resilience? I see. Um, yeah. So there's been a lot of research looking at that, and um, a lot of de- helping a child to develop resilience um, rests in the kind of feedback that we give to a child. So when a child makes a mistake, um, it's it's important to draw attention to the intention behind that mistake and sort of providing the child alternatives of here's something else that you could have done in that situation. So especially if, you're, if you've got school children, if they have a difficulty um, with a kid that they, another kid on the playground or something like that, I think that it's important um, that you don't treat the outcome of that as this all or nothing black or white, well, here's how it should have happened, but that you really engage in a meaningful conversation. Well, tell me about what was going through your mind when you when you chose to do that behavior, or, or tell me about the approach that you took to this, and that way you're you're helping the child understand that there's an entire process, and that there's not always a clear outcome at the end um, that's going to be crystal clear in terms of what they should have done or what they should not have done. And I think it's also important to tell children um, that this is that even adults have difficulty with these situations. That that it's it's important to model struggle and to say, you know, I often you know, I also have difficulty sometimes knowing what to do or knowing what the appropriate approach here would have been. And that's teaching the child that, yeah, okay, so if I experience struggle, struggle is not a sign of defeat. Struggle is not a sign that I'm doing something incorrectly, but it's a part of the human experience, and it's important for me to sort of embrace that struggle and to have strategies that can help me overcome it versus, say, interpreting it as, oh, I'm struggling with something, this means I'm no good, this means I should throw in the towel, I shouldn't attempt it at all. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that makes a lot of sense. I've also heard that with children, letting them experience like experience things and experiment with things is is important. Yeah, you know? <laughs> like allowing them to yeah. make a big mess so that they learn that they can't mm-hmm. do it with one hand or you know, whatever, yeah, exactly. whatever the situation is. Exactly. And it also goes the other way. When things do turn out well, it's very tempting when a kid brings home a report card with straight A's on it to say, oh, my gosh, you're so brilliant. You're so awesome. That's so great. It's fine to give that feedback, but you also want to balance that by, again, emphasizing the approach and saying, wow, this is great that you achieved such good grades, but can you tell me what was the approach that you took? How hard did you have to work? Tell me about the study strategies that you used, because then again, you're emphasizing the process um, and you're really emphasizing the part of the variable that is within their control versus this black and white thinking of, if I get a good grade, it means I'm smart. If I get a bad grade, it means I'm not smart. Um, It's okay to praise good grades, but you also want to to praise the process by which they achieved that outcome. Yeah, I think that's a... It's a difficult switch to make in your in your brain, but it really does mm-hmm. make sense. That would be the most important thing to do, whether right. it's with your child or yourself. <laughs> of course, yes. So I think one of the things that sometimes throws people or, you know, makes us not understand resilience is if something happens and it does upset you, it does um, really affect you, people feel like that may mean that they're not resilient. And is there – do you have any suggestions or kind of uh, guidelines on, um, you know, when it's appropriate to bounce back quickly versus it might take a while? How long is too long to be it's, upset it's about? A, it's a, a great question, and it's one that I'm glad that you asked because we humans have evolved this wonderfully complex set of human emotions for a reason – And those emotions include both positive and negative emotions. And there are circumstances where sadness or anxiety or fear are actually the most appropriate response. And sometimes those emotions will last for an extended period of time if there's been some really terrible catastrophic event that has happened in our lives. And and sometimes people think when they're having a bad day, what's wrong with me that I'm not happy right now or why am I so sad? And the reality is that if ever there, w- there were a person who was happy all the time, that would be an indication that something was wrong. We're not supposed to be happy all the time. Bad stuff happens to everyone, and everyone experiences disappointment. And, of course, in those situations, we will feel bad. And it's important not to try to undo those negative emotions, because if we're feeling sad, one of the worst things we can try to do is to try to feel is to try to not feel sad because that can backfire and just make that sadness become even more severe and more intense. So it's okay to experience negativity. It's okay to experience disappointment and other negative emotions. Um, but ultimately, you know, resiliency is what helps us to eventually come to a place where we can move beyond that sadness and find a sense of hope and meaning in the other parts of our lives. And there's not necessarily a set time of how long is too long, but I think that it's important to monitor it and expect that after something bad happens, the normal healthy response is to feel sadness, to feel anxiety, to feel some sense of despair. And and that's where engaging with other people and processing it with them, often other people 
can help us take a more rational approach to understanding, has this sadness perhaps extended beyond what we might expect under normal circumstances, or is there something maintaining the sadness beyond just a, a normal response to something bad that's happened that we need to address here? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think, you know, as someone with a mood disorder, I I definitely know there have been times when I have shied away from doing something that was somewhat risky because I didn't want to trigger myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't want to I didn't want to push myself into um getting into a depressed episode or, you know, being super anxious. Um so I think it's I think that idea of really processing is is the important part. Like, who do you have to turn to? If you get rejected or if, you know, something doesn't go the way that you had planned or wanted, what do you do right after that? Like, you know, it might not be that you can wait a week to see your psychologist. You might mm-hmm. need a more more immediate plan. Um, right. But I think, that's, yeah. I think that's really a key point. Yeah. And, and that's important also that it's important that we each know ourselves, know what our triggers are, and have an understanding that when we are in the midst of a depressive episode or we're experiencing anxiety, that we might need to proceed with caution. And that probably is not the week when we want to be going out and taking lots of risks because we're in a a little bit of a more fragile state. The time to really develop that skill set of developing resiliency is when we're more feeling on the upswing because then we have the psychological wherewithal to more easily pick ourselves back up. If we're already in the depths of despair, the priority should really be trying to think about what we can do to bring ourselves back up to a happier place. That's not really the time to start experimenting with, hmm, let's take some risks today and see what happens if I get knocked down. If you're already feeling low, try to resolve that as as best you can. And then it's in those moments when you're feeling pretty good and you're sort of on the up end of the cycle, those are the times when it's better to go and take those risks and develop that resiliency skill set. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think that makes a lot of sense and is a really important point to make because I, you know, of course wouldn't want people to, to try to do things that make them even more uncomfortable if they're already in a in a not so not so good place. Right. Well, Dr. Bono, thank you so much for sharing with us today about resilience. Uh, definitely a, a super important skill and it's good to know that we can all work on improving our resilience. Well, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for covering such an important topic. And thank you, listeners. We hope you'll join us again soon for another DBSA Young Adult Council podcast. Be well.